passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. All right. Yes. Hello. You're listening to the I Hate the Fins podcast. This is our first show under the SB Nation mothership. Uh, we're very excited to be back with the company. It's Tractor Beam is a strong one. And here we are. My name is Keith. I'm your host for the next hour. With me are my two faithful co-hosts of Philadelphia's own Zach Centron. Are you from Philadelphia or New Jersey? No, so I'm from Jersey. Uh, I'm technically back in Jersey and I work in Manhattan. I'm all over the place. I'm just like Upper East Coast. Mm. We also have the pride of Appalachia, uh, Chris Early. We call him Duke, so as to not confuse anyone when we start using that nickname going forward. Uh, We want to do some short introductions here among the three of us since we probably have some new listeners. Uh, I've been a Dolphins fan since 1988, which I feel like is probably longer than some people have been alive, Zach included. Uh, I own an incredible amount of ugly mid-90s Dolphins merchandise. You name it, I probably have it. All the pro player stuff, I own it. Uh, I started writing for SB Nation's The Finsider website in September 2011. I co-hosted the original Finsider radio podcast with Kevin. Nogo is the site manager. And I eventually took over the show as co-host. Uh, I did that until May 2016 when I left the site to take a job in the CD world of automotive marketing. I don't regret it, though. And uh, I got back into podcasting world this spring with I Hate the Fins, which you're listening to now. We got the invite to join the Finsiders podcast umbrella. I think it was midway through the summer. So here we are. And we don't really hate the Dolphins. We, we just hate the team. What the team has done to our emotions over the years. Uh, you'll find we're going to joke about everything on this show. We love analysis. We love breaking down the game. I feel like we're fairly not knowledgeable fans. Uh, but the whole analysis and breaking down film, a lot of that's going to be Finsider Radio's gig, who's also SB Nation. So instead, we're going to offer you uh, uh, the best alternative we can, which are crude jokes, 
games and the occasional hot take. Uh, in reality, we're kind of a long-term love letter to the original Finns Nation site in that uh, self-deprecation is oftentimes the only thing that keeps us sane as Miami Dolphins fans. Uh, that was long-winded. My apologies. Uh, Zach, tell our listeners a bit about yourself. Um, so my background uh, comes through SB Nation with you guys. Um, the best part is I am still banned from the uh, Dolphins SB Nation blog. Um, I don't know if that's ever going to change, but I'm okay with that. It kind of adds to what we do here a little bit. Um, I originally went to school when I was going to be a sports writer, but then I decided not to do that because it was so much work and it's a very crazy world. So, uh, I went back to just being a fan and enjoying it slash being emotionally distraught every Sunday. Um, I watch a lot more college football than I do NFL at this point. So I can talk dolphins and I'll talk a lot of college football and I'll talk a lot of college football players. Um, But you know, other than that, I'm, I'm in for dolphins on Sunday and then I'm out, but it's, it's been a fun ride and I'm happy to be back with you guys. Chris, I know you hate talking about yourself, but if you could just do it for a second, just to humor me. Let's see. um, I'm the old man in the group. Um, I grew up and I'm originally from Western North Carolina and in the early eighties, North Carolina didn't have a team. So you just kind of had to pick a, uh, either like a local team or whoever else. And so, uh, I chose the dolphins and I've been a dolphins fan ever since, uh, I've been a member of the Finsider since 2010. I've been a writer slash moderator for a little bit shorter than that, maybe about 2012. Um, I like to get on Twitter and, and gripe about the team, although I've decided that the less I'm on Twitter and the less I watch, the better the team does. So um, I don't know. I'll wait till after the game before I actually make comments now. Twitter is the devil. I try to say it's great to get our opinions out there and everything and to connect with people. And I find myself just as quickly hating it and everything that it represents. So. That's a tough place to be in. Now that uh, we've got the pleasantries out of the way, we can get down to business. Uh, tonight, we'll chat with Locked On Dolphins site manager, Travis Wingfield. We're going to talk about last Sunday's game against the Raiders. We're going to talk about the upcoming showdown with the Patriots, which is Patriots week is always such a big deal, regardless of whether this team is 3-0, and as they are right now, or they're 0-3. It's still a big deal. Uh, we, got, we have like a sort of game to play with them, too. I'm curious to see how we'll do. It's a surprise. Nobody knows it. You'll see in the meantime, as I mentioned, Dolphins are 3-0 and despite getting absolutely zero respect from experts prior to Sunday's game against the Oakland Grudens. Uh, most of the pregame stuff I watched, they thought Oakland was going to win that game. Uh, Adam Gase's play calling has been vibrant as of late, I think. He's been dialing up some quick... Uh, they keep calling it the quality trickeration. I'm kind of past that, that term, but we'll roll with it for now. Uh, in the second half of that game especially, and he's been utilizing the raw speed that Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant bring to the table, which is awesome. I thought we were going to get that when we brought Albert Wilson in. Jakeem Grant's becoming a huge part of this offense. And of course, we'll talk about Ryan Tannehill through maybe the second greatest touchdown pass of his career with that dime to Kenny Stills in the first half, depending on... It's either one or two, depending on how you feel about that throw to Kenny Stills in, in uh, San Diego two years ago. <clears throat> Last but not least, the Dolphins have a legitimate start. Um, 
really a star in cornerback Xavier Howard, who absolutely took Derek Carr and Martavis Bryant's lunch money on that interception in the corner of the end zone. We'll talk about that too. Um, he gets better every year, and I love the fact that Zach gives me credit for actually thinking like he was my guy in that 2016 draft mainly because I thought that we were going to draft a corner in the second round. I thought he was the best second round corner available. Lo and behold, we got him. We'll talk about him more because I feel like he gets better every game. I thought he started well as a rookie. Some people killed him because he had that rough game on Thursday night. Um, Thursday night football against AJ Green and uh, Cincinnati, but I love Xavier Howard. I think that guy is a legitimate rock star. I think Rashad Jones, Kenyon Drake, and Xavier and Howard are the the rock stars on this team right now. I love those guys. They're incredibly important to what this team's getting done. Talk about that more. Uh, and speaking of Rashad Jones, playing that game on Sunday, he wasn't a part of it. Uh, the bad news is we found out this week William Hayes is out for the season with a torn ACL. Lesser bad news was still bad news in terms of a depth um, perspective. Andre Branch is going to miss some time. We don't know how much. We'll find out more. It sounds like it's a knee for him too. So. Now we're going to, I'll turn it to the panel now because I don't really want to listen to myself continue to talk. But do you guys think 3 0, it's really easy to be excited, especially because this doesn't happen this often? It's been five years since the last time they, they went to 3 0. Do you think the Dolphins maybe are feasting a little bit on inadequate competition, as the media would have you believe? Or do you think that we're seeing the blossoming of the type of team? Adam Gay said he wanted on the field this season. In short, how excited should we get about this bunch in their 3-0 start? Uh, we will start with you, Chris. They went into New York after the uh, Sam Darnold hype of week one. Got a win there. Um, and then they played the Raiders, who, let's just face it, the Raiders kind of game-planned uh, the Dolphins out of that a little bit. Uh, and they just, they came back and won it. And after that game was over, I kind of got the, it kind of reminded me of that Monday night game several years ago where the Dolphins held the ball for 40, like 45 minutes and still lost because Peyton Manning scored more than they did in the 15 minutes he had the ball. And uh, that's how the Dolphins did this game. So they find ways to win. They're resilient. <laughs> Uh, and they're just, you know, they're just, they're just getting it done. So, you know, I, I would be less excited if they come out this week and, and get blasted and lose, you know, 56 to 14 or something like that. Um, but, I mean, there's going to be some bumps in the road, but I think this team can, can, can win games. Um, and I, I've, I've told some other folks, I think, in, in, in the – DMs and things like that, that I believe mm. if the Dolphins win this week, if they can go 4-0, and that really opens the door for them to, to enter their bye week with a record of about 8-2, and two, maybe better. Um, because this is kind of the – the Patriots are always the litmus test for how you think they can do. I don't care how good or bad the Patriots are. That's just who you measure yourself up to. They're the standard at this point. So if the Dolphins can go in there and – and win that game, they've got winnable games all the way up into their bye week to the point that I think they're, they're, they're setting themselves up not only for a playoff run, but a divisional run at that point. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about the team. And uh, as I, I, I saw on Twitter after the game this week, they're just a fun team to watch. Um, 
you know, no matter what they're doing, there's there's some excitement about it. They're just an enjoyable team uh, to to watch the camaraderie and everything else. It's just uh, it's great. So yeah, I'm excited. Well, two things real quick. First of all, I Tennessee's an ugly team, but I don't think they're. I think they're actually they do some things really well. I was actually pretty impressed. I think Jacksonville might have might have had the post Patriots hangover on Sunday, but Tennessee was gritty in that game. Like, that was an ugly game, but I mean they they got it done. And Oakland had no business losing to Denver in Week Two. Those guys should not be zero and three. They should have been one and one going into that game with Miami. They just. I'm, I mean, I guess you could say the same thing with what happened in in the Dolphins game on Sunday is that Oakland is a very bad fourth quarter team right now. Um, I think we'll get to Travis. I think Travis pointed out um, that uh, it's an older team. I think I saw him. We'll bring him on in a, in a moment to talk more about that. But I mean, this is a team where I mean, you have a lot of veterans on there. It's an older team. It's a team you want to get going laterally, especially in the fourth quarter. Miami did that. And I mean, to great results. So. Um, I, I guess I'm just throwing in my two cents here and saying I, I think that people make it sound like it's been an absolute cakewalk for the Dolphins thus far. And I think like they've been in some situations. They had to play out the weather in week one. That was tough to get over. It's always tough going to the Meadowlands, regardless of how good or bad the Jets are. It's a tough atmosphere. Adam Gase has proven that outside of last year in our second game. I mean, he likes to go up there and just pound that team, which I'm all about. And then, I mean, is... You mentioned Oakland game planned really well. They took Kenyon Drake out of there early. I mean, they were really looking to make the Dolphins throw the ball. So, I mean, I don't have a problem with the the level of competition thus far. I thought we got some, um, those teams had a puncher's chance in there. They did some good things well, and I thought the Dolphins just came out and really made the most of their opportunities and were the better team. Zach, what are your feelings about this start in Miami? Um, I'm going to keep mine short and simple, um, cause I agree with Duke a hundred percent. Um, but I, th- I just think that like, I think Dolphins fans should just enjoy it because realistically the Dolphins as a fan of the Dolphins, you don't have a lot to enjoy all the time, especially in the past decade or so, especially in my viewing time, um, as a younger fan. Um, so, so just enjoy it, like enjoy that they're three and zero. if they lose and play a good game against the Pats, like be okay with three and one and like just be happy Miami's off to a good start um you know I I had my moment today where I was upset about rankings and stuff like that but I've kind of come back around to like I'm just gonna enjoy it I don't care what the rankings are three and oh feels good it's the first time we felt this in a while um and I think everybody should just enjoy it while we have it right I mean that's that's really all you can do. It's a big week. This is we after starting three and zero. I feel like you now know you're now going to know what the Dolphins are about after this game on Sunday. On Sunday, because New England's typically really tough to beat and at home. We haven't won uh, in Foxborough since I think 2008, the Wildcat game. So it's been a long time. It needs to happen. I feel like this is one feather that Adam Gase needs in, in his cap going forward to go up to Foxborough and really pound a team that is always capable of putting it together at a moment's notice. We've seen it before. They got absolutely blown away by Kansas City four years ago on Monday Night Football. And, I mean, everyone thought the Patriots dynasty was over. It turns out it was not because they won the Super Bowl that season. So you can never count them out. Um, I will let's say, just get, I mean, we've been talking. One, one thing ahead. I will say before we move on, you mentioned the Wildcat game with it being the 10th anniversary. 
I would love just for like LOL internet memes purposes if they activated Kalen Balaj this week and let him run some Wildcat. I would be a hundred percent for that just for the LOLs. That would be so hateful. I'd love it. Um, I was going to mention we he's been listening to us talk for a while now. Uh, so we'll just get to tonight's guest, Travis Wingfield, heart, soul, spirit animal, locked on dolphins. Travis, how are you? I'm doing well. That's a great introduction. Thank you. Uh, not a bad time to be a Dolphins fan. Definitely not a bad time to cover and analyze the team. Multiple factors that have uh, the team undefeated heading into week four. We've talked about how some I saw. I, I don't know how I didn't think of this pun. People are calling it Fixborough now. So I love that. Um, I am so upset that I didn't think of that. Uh, in your view, what are this team's greatest strengths right now? Because they're firing on a couple of cylinders real hot. What are you seeing when you analyze this team that has them playing above the competition? I'll do one for each side of the ball. You go on the offensive side of the football, it's just the multiple looks they give you on offense. Their running game scheme is just so diverse, and it can hit you in so many ways with misdirection, split zone, inside, outside zone, all the stuff I can tell you. In terms of different run formations, they have four or five pass targets that can burn you at any given moment. You don't know where the ball is going. It's just ball distribution and confusion for the defense. And then on the defensive side of the ball, it's their secondary and their ability to take the football away. I think it's up to eight now. And is that all interceptions, eight interceptions they have now in the season, which I think is like tied for second in the NFL. So takeaways and being multiple in offense. There you go. Perfect. That's right. Kiko punch one out. That's right. And I, I saw a stat today that they're at right now, they have an absurd uh, percentage of uh, red zone stands. It looks like they, they hold up really well in the red zone. I, I don't know if that's sustainable. You hope it is, especially after the, the troubles they've had there in the past. Well, um, the other, other thing I want to get to is, uh, and I wanted to ask you, because, I mean, we d- have discussed this guy often. Uh, how are you feeling about the job Adam Gase has done far this, thus far this season? Um, I saw some grumbling about him from people on Twitter during the Titans game week one. I was in the hospital at that point, so I had nothing but time. Uh, I saw less grumbling last week against the Jets in week two. And he pretty much had Dolphins Twitter eating out of his hand after they blew open the Raiders in the second half on Sunday. How would you grade the man's performance through three weeks? There's still some ups and downs with Adam Gaze. Obviously, I'm one of his bigger proponents. I think he's done a fantastic job this year. Obviously, you got to point to what they did this offseason in terms of constructing the roster in a way that he can you know, coach in the way he wants to do and run the scheme the way he wants to run it. But on the negative side, I still question a lot of the personnel decisions in terms of playing time. Like, why the hell is Devontae Parker and Danny Amendola getting three times the snaps of Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson? And also, some of the play-calling decisions on like you know long yardage situations, like first and 20, I don't want to see a running back dive on first and 20. So there's a mm-hmm. little bit of bad, but mostly good. That's a fair assessment. Uh, what do you expect to see in in Fixborough on Sunday? You know, I, I don't know because, like I mentioned, there's just so many different variations of this offense, and I think that they're kind of unveiling new layers every single week so far. And, I, you know, Sam from the Perfectville podcast mentioned that he thinks that that pass from Albert Wilson to Jakeem Grant was kind of in their back pocket for this Patriots game, and I don't know that you can really verify that, but I tend to agree they were going to try to hold some stuff back for this Patriots game. Obviously, you can't you know, hold things back when you're losing in the fourth quarter to the Oakland Raiders, but I just think there's going to be something different we haven't seen yet, like whether it's Mike Kosicki getting involved or Kenyon Drake in the passing game. Something different's going to happen that hasn't happened yet. 
it is amazing the kind of flexibility you have in terms of running exotic plays when you have that kind of raw speed that they have out on the perimeter right now. Uh, last question, and then we'll get to the ridiculous stuff. Uh, you have been Ryan Tannehill's, one of his most vocal uh, supporters on Twitter, uh, but you do the majority of your campaigning through stats. So how do you feel about him through three weeks? Do you think he deserves the early MVP considerations he's getting from some members of the NFL media? No, I don't. Just because, I mean, th- those two touchdowns that he had to Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson on Sunday, those are running plays. I mean, let's not make any you know, mm-hmm. about that. That's a running play. But nonetheless, just the Absolutely. control he has of the offense and getting these guys into the right play. And, you know, you talk about all the multiple stuff they do on offense, whether it's the running game or the passing game. It's that autonomy at the line of scrimmage that really has changed the complexion of this football team. Because last year we'd see, you know, Jay Cutler with their office back foot. They'd go three and out and then the defense gets onto the field and, and sustains a 16 play drive. Ball goes back to the offense. They go back to three and out. And you see guys that kind of start to, I don't want to say quit, but they certainly don't rally around him. So with Ryan Tannehill, it seems way different. There seems to be a much better chemistry, a much better desire to play for him. So I think that he certainly elevates the level of the team with just being there, but also the physical attributes and what he does in the running game. I mean, some of this misdirection stuff is, oh, it's available because of what he offers in the running game. And we obviously look at what he was post or pre knee injury. That's who he was. And it's so good to see that's who he is post knee injury now. So I just think his presence and the physical traits that he offers and what Adam Gaze wants to do on offense makes all the difference in the world. Because I mean, I feel like if he wasn't available, if we had Jay Cutler again, these three games, do you guys think we could possibly be 0-3 if Cutler was quarterbacking? Oh, yeah. <laughs> probably, we probably are. I mean, 1-2 one one and two at best, in my opinion. Uh, I love the, the goofy dad thing that Tannehill has yeah. going on with this team <laughs> right now, too. He, just, he looks like such a goon in these pictures, but it's funny. I mean, it's lovable. It's, it's oafish almost, but, I mean, he, he's playing well. Uh, he, the thing about him that I love is I love his resiliency. I love how he overcomes things. I mean, like there's been times where, like he had that horrible fade to uh, attempt a Gesicki in the first game. It's an interception. He did not self-destruct. I mean, he had one of his better throws of the season uh, in the second half. That touchdown to Stills was outstanding. So, I mean, I love that he continues to fight. Um, I'm glad he's back there. I think I agree to your point that there's no way in hell this team's 3-0 and without him in when you consider what the alternative has been um, <laughs> while we're on this topic. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to play a game. Dolphins Twitter has been pretty outspoken. It has a pretty outspoken portion, I guess you'd say, yeah. that really, really hates Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> As we, <laughs> I, that's the understatement of the year, yes, I understand. Yes. You spend a decent amount of time debating these people. They remain undeterred by stats or game, game film. <laughs> Some people still think he can't throw the deep ball. Some people think he gets his receivers injured. Some people think he just sucks. What I want to know is if you can tell the difference between opinions that come from anti-Tannehill Dolphins fans and fans of other AFC East teams. Oh, man. The only one, the, the one thing I'll tell you is I don't really associate with Pats fans. One of my really good friends at work is a Pats fan. Uh, but for the sake of this exercise their commentary will not be needed so it's just jets and bills fans which i mean they're bills fans slam their girlfriends through flaming tables and whatnot so i mean that's do you really need a third team in there Uh, to be honest with you i almost didn't have room for the jets jets fans 
So, and, and, right. and I, pro- and I promise right off the top that these aren't all Omar Kelly takes. I promise we wouldn't do that <laughs> to you because that's too no, easy. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no. These are fans. No, I would never. I would never go with Omar Tate. Dude, he loves me. Yeah, he right. loves my so- secondary account, my uh, Tannehill gifs account. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but I, I made an account just for my Tannehill videos so that I didn't bog down my entire timeline. And it's like I already got 500 followers, and I wasn't even trying to get anybody to follow it. But he like retweets it all. Like every every Tuesday, he retweets the Tannehill gif, uh, the tweets. <laughs> It's amazing because he was such an ass. That's, that's because to that's Tannehill the closest. For such a long yeah, time. that's that's because it's the closest he can get to Tannehill. <laughs> yeah, well, he was, he I, was I agree with that. Too. That's true. Oh yeah. Um. So I mean, he's like he's like the guy where he had all the cool friends who are a year older and they're all seniors. They all graduate and now. It's just him, and now he feels like he has to be nice to people so they don't beat him up. <laughs> Because I mean, like he, his tone has changed considerably. There are things he says, and I'm like, "Whoa, Omar said that? No way." Right. Anyway, so we're getting off track here. All right, are you ready? Yes. The, I assure you, these are these are real life comments. So Nothing has been manufactured here. I have to choose if it's a Dolphins fan or a AFC East fan. Right, a Dolphins fan or not a Dolphins okay. fan? We'll just go with those two okay. options. All right, first one. Here's another stat for you. The number of defensive coordinators in the NFL who have ever asked themselves before a game, man, how the hell are we going to slow down Ryan Tannehill? Zero. That's how many. <laughs> That's 100%. I think I've seen that one. That's a Dolphins fan for sure. Answer is not a Dolphins fan. What? It's not. <laughs> I would not lie. I, I, have no, I have no business here or interest in lying to you. No, that's... But I, I think we're off to a great start because I was afraid that you were just you were just going to run these through these things like Sherman through Georgia. So I have no idea. Apparently, oh, well, this is going to be good. Okay, number two, Adam Gase gets Jay Cutler to come out of retirement last year. They proceed to look awful, and everyone couldn't wait for Ryan Tannehill to be back and healthy. It felt like Gase got Cutler to to prop up Tannehill. That's <laughs> a non-Dolphins fan. You're over two. That's a Dolphins fan. <laughs> Man, I, I'm I'm thrilled because I thought you were going to dominate. So I'm that's okay. I'm keeping track here. Time. Don't worry. I'm keeping Good. track. I am the 2017 okay. Dolphins, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say not. So some of these takes have not aged well. I can't. I can't account for for all of the the takes in terms of how current they are, but most of them are. Okay, number three. The defense of Ryan Tannehill being good by his supporters has come to them attacking other quarterbacks that have been bad. Just because they have been bad, that doesn't make Tannehill good. It took Baker Mayfield two quarters to have staged Tannehill's entire career. That has to be a Dolphins fan because of the Baker Mayfield obsession. He's on the board. Yes. yes. That, is indeed, that is indeed a Dolphins fan. <laughs> so All right. This so is good. <laughs> All right. All right. We're... You're you have a chance with this next one to get back to 500, just like Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> <clears throat> Ryan Tannehill is Daniel Tosh's twin brother with a just slightly better arm and a better chance at making me laugh. I've never witnessed a quarterback be given so many passes along with extensions for so little. That is a non Dolphins fan. You are back to 500. Yes. That is indeed not a Dolphins fan. The Daniel Tosh comparison is pretty good. Yeah, I appreciate that one. Okay, this is uh, number five, right? Yep. 
Tannehill strikes me as the kind of guy who would use the phrase, well, gee, mister, unironically. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, that is a non-Dolphins fan. You are killing it now. Look at you picked yourself up off the mat. You are like Ryan Tannehill. Can, that is not a Dolphins fan. You can kind of tell because, well, I, I shouldn't say that because I'm only three and two, but you can almost kind of tell because the non-Dolphins fans are like, they're nondescript in the sense that they don't really have specifics. Whereas the Dolphins fans, they just kind of it's the same kind of tired vitriol over and over again. So maybe I'm learning here. True. Dolphins fans. Ryan Tannehill is nine and one in his last ten games. Also, Dolphins fans. Wins I'm, are not a quarterback stat when defending his thirty-nine and forty overall record. That's definitely a Dolphins fan. Man, I think you got the hang of this. This is definitely a Dolphins fan. That's too bad. That's one of those arguments. You I, I, now, now I want to thwart you. <clears throat> Tannehill is pinpoint accurate and tough as nails. I wouldn't say he's very good at navigating the pocket, but he's improved there as of late. That's a non-Dolphins fan. Would you believe that's a Jets fan? Yeah, just be, uh, because... Dolphins fans that hate him will never acknowledge that he's gotten better at the deep ball or his his quote-unquote pocket presence, which is my least favorite term in the history of football. I'm with you on that one. Miami's formula for winning. Good defense. Check. Good running game. Check. Limit the passing game. Check. That feels like Professor Lou. That's a Dolphins fan. It's not Professor Lou, (laughs) but I feel like it's the guy who really... Professor Lou is is on this guy's coaching tree. Uh, that Jared Let's Jared see. fella. It's not. It's actually a guy who who's new. Uh, he follows you. It's um, Pablo. I don't want to use his his full name on there. It's a uh, it's Greg. He and uh, Duke will know him as CT. There's a good chance I have him CT, muted. CT is the original. Uh, problematic fan i guess you would say so whenever i see like a like a, a jared or any of these other guys they owe they owe greg a sizable debt <laughs> i love this this is so good i i my mute list, I know that- my mute list on twitter is i think it's like 300 people long because anytime i get these tired arguments you know like you mentioned the deep ball or the pocket presence it's just quick mute finger and we're gone and we're moving on to the next one. Oh yeah okay Bad things happen when Miami throws the ball. If there are more than 10 passes thrown in the second half by Miami, there is a problem with the play calling. That's a Dolphins fan. That's actually CT as well. I just had to throw <laughs> two in there just because he's the OG here. All right. I tried to make the. All right, this is my favorite. This is the best thing I've ever read, actually. And this is the, the last one for you. Every offseason, all we hear about is how this is the year he's going to put it all together. Every single offseason. I'm forecasting that 20 years from now, when NFL football no longer exists, Ryan Tannehill will inexplicably still find people to pay him for throwing a football around an empty Hard Rock Stadium. He's Andy Dalton without running back issues or the soulless ginger angle to blame for his struggles. That's too well-crafted for one of the Dolphins haters. That's a non-Dolphins fan. That is a non-Dolphins fan. That is a Bills fan. <laughs> Man, you ended up cleaning up on this one. Good job. Slow start. I'm the, I'm the New England Patriots, I guess, now. Not the 2017 Dolphins. The slow uh, start, and then I wrote out, rattle uh, off nine in a row. Boy, I hope that's not what happens <laughs> I mean, yeah. coming up here, because 
I just so enjoy watching that team lose. I can hardly stand it. And watching them get beaten up by a Lions team that pretty much gave up like a 70 burger to Sam Darnold in week one. Um, And clearly New England knew some of uh, Detroit's plays too, because they were calling them out pre-snap. So it wasn't for, wasn't for lack of effort, but I mean, we talked about this, this off air. Uh, I've, I can't, 2002 is the last time I saw the, the Patriots look this bad. I mean, and it's, it's a wealth of issues. They're secondary. It has a bunch of problems in it. I feel like, Detroit's receiver core just absolutely ran those guys to death the other night. Um, I'm sure the Isaiah Wynn injury hurt. Um, I think that they were really counting on that guy to to do something for them um, at left tackle. I think they're reeling a little bit from that. Um, and as a result, it look the push they're trying to get in the run game. I'm not seeing it right now. Yeah, I don't know. How, I don't know how they move the ball in offense in general. I mean, you look at the receivers and what we have at cornerback. I mean, where's where's the matchup outside of Gronk, which you hope they bracket and double him. But like, where do, where's the advantage for the Patriots outside of the fact that they have Tom Brady? And the the thing is, go ahead. Because, but like you said, I mean, just just how are they going to do it? What exactly? Where are they going to turn to to get this done? I mean. You know, before it's always some unsung hero or somebody that they've got. I, I don't know. I just don't see that. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, the Dolphins will kind of do like what the Lions did. And, and uh, I think someone either on TV or on Twitter called it the anyone but Gronk strategy. Pretty much just you're going to limit him. And if Chris Hogan or Sony Michelle or whoever it is beats you, so be it. Um, but, you know, a quarterback can only do so much. I mean, he can read the defense. He can make accurate throws and do whatever. But at some point, you know, at some point he's got to have somebody that he's throwing to step up and, and, and do something. And I just don't see those players for the Patriots. Here's the thing that I was thinking. Uh, Houston's 0-3. And we were looking at, at uh, New England in week one thinking like, oh, yeah, they beat Houston. So, you know, they're going to be back to playing really well. It, it's almost like, you know, New England probably should be 0-3 had they not started off with Houston. Because the games that I've seen of there, like Tom Brady looks frustrated often. Detroit just absolutely erased Rob Gronkowski. I think they had like three guys on him at one point. Which is weird because you don't ever want to dare Tom Brady to throw the football. But that looks like what teams are doing right now. Man, you know, that could change, you know, Edelman comes back. Um, hey, dude. Uh, or, you know, whenever, um, if Josh, you know, people don't, I think, feel like Josh Gordon is just going to go ahead and just, you know, get implemented into the offense immediately. That's not really how it works, especially at that position. Um, but, you know, I think, like, they could go ahead and simplify the game plan for him and find ways to get him involved. And I, th- I assume that's what they're going to do. But... There, I'm always waiting for the penny to drop with these guys. I, I've counted them out before. Um, that Super Bowl against Seattle when uh, Seattle went down the field and had that ridiculous completion to set them up in the red zone. Um, I started joking at that point that um, Tom Brady was cursed uh, after he had uh, uh, the whole thing with uh, Bridget Moynihan and he left her when she was pregnant. I was like, see, God hates Tom Brady at this point because he hadn't won a Super Bowl up you know after that happened and then like there was that you know you get the the Eli Manning games against the Giants 
uh, just getting absolutely thrashed by Denver a couple of times. And then they go to the Super Bowl. And when they completed that, I was like, all right, there's more of it. And then Seattle was just like, nah, nah, dude, we got this. And ended up turning the ball over to Malcolm Butler. All that has to say is I would love to enjoy a season where they don't put it together and where you can just like the Dolphins just go up there and just absolutely smack those guys in the mouth. I, I dare to dream because it, that game could very, very easily turn into a, a problem for the Dolphins. But I'm hoping that something gives with uh with the pats this year and i'm hoping that they're just cursed because uh bill didn't high five those kids when he's coming out of the tunnel on sunday night <laughs> that was so classic dude oh it's so, so douchey uh travis we appreciate you uh stopping by um dealing with our shenanigans hopefully you were entertained um appreciate your insight as always it's always nice to have you on the show uh hopefully you can stop by again soon yeah definitely let's do it again soon that game was that game was a blast i don't really get a lot of opportunities to kind of you know go away from the whole film and stat study thing so much appreciated that's why we're here that's literally all we have to <laughs> offer you so um he's travis wingfield he's locked on dolphins yeah, you are the, the site manager is the right yeah. title right I wasn't sure. I mean, you wear many hats for them. Uh, people can check out your work on, on the site. Um, he's as good as it gets when it comes to analysis, breaking down film. I don't know where you find the time to do that. Um, I'm exhausted just thinking about your schedule, and I just had a kid. So That's there the key. You go. Don't, don't have children. Um, you can watch as much film as you want. Never <laughs> have children. Uh, great to have you on, Travis Wingfield. Um, we'll talk right, to you thanks, again fellas. soon. All right, have a good one. All right, this has been the uh, the inaugural I Hate the Fins uh, podcast under SB Nation and the Finsider. We're happy to be part of the team under the podcast umbrella, as they've been calling it. Uh, for Zach and Duke, uh, I'm Keith. It was a pleasure to host this show, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. And Duke, uh, I'm Keith. It was a pleasure to host this show, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. 
Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.